so good to worship God, you know. I was one of those that thought that watching church on TV would be okay. I was a former TV guy. I thought, this is, this is fine. You know, I could sit here in my pajamas. And, uh, but there's nothing like being in the presence of God together. I'm going to get a little more comfortable here. Back my chair up just a little bit. Some, there we go. I don't like being close to the edge. You ever fall off the edge? That would be quite the service if it happened. We're missionaries to the vulnerable. Many of you might be feeling they've been vulnerable this last year. We consider the vulnerable special needs families, those with mental health issues, at-risk youth, pregnant mothers and the unborn. And you might be saying, I don't really know anybody like that, but I'd like to say this morning that one out of six people in the world are considered disabled. 49% of Americans will have a mental health crisis in their lifetime. There are people in this room right now, you're having a mental health crisis. And there could be a good number of people in here right now. And that's what we're ministering to is CityServe National Directors of the Vulnerable Initiative. CityServe is a new Assemblies of God initiative. It's a collaborative network of churches, hundreds of churches across America, and really beginning to be around the world of resourcing the local church to reach segments of society that, quite frankly, we just haven't done a very good job. And to understand, better understand our ministry, you got to know my story. When I was born three pounds, two and a half months premature, doctors came in. They told my parents, they said, if your son lives, and it was touch and go at those times, in fact, they used to tie a string to one of my toes, and I stopped breathing. They'd pull on the string to get me breathing again. I was diagnosed with cerebral palsy, born three pounds, two and a half months premature. Grew up in Shriners Hospital in San Francisco, many months there, going to school there. Body casts up to my neck, wheelchairs. But I'm here today, and I want you to hear this. We serve a God who not only can do the impossible, but a God who loves to do the impossible. You're going to hear a little bit more about our ministry today. Uh, it's very exciting to be able to minister. Hundreds of churches are saying we want to start a special needs ministry for families that haven't been able to ever come to church. Or maybe those that are really struggling with mental health and a peer support group that meets during the week and on and on and on. But I mentioned that I was a former TV guy. I'd like to show you guys a video. It just seems natural for me uh, to tell you a little bit more of our story. And, and we'll talk a little bit about more about our ministry and how we all can be involved. And, and by the way, do you love your pastors? I haven't got a chance to meet Sandy yet, but I'll tell you what. The, the minute I saw Pastor Dave, I, I remember the first time I met you. I, I, I can't remember where I was in the missionary journey, but I remember coming in here. And it's tough raising support as a missionary. You know, you come in, and one time I came in, the door was literally locked. And I had to slip my prayer card to the secretary through the glass door. She wouldn't unlock it for me. I thought, gosh, man, I know I have a cane, but am I that scary, you know? But Pastor Dave was so friendly, and, and every time I hear from him, so encouraging. You guys are so blessed. You're so blessed. And I just want to honor them today. 
And your wife's better looking than you. So that's all. My wife is too, as you can tell. So that's a good thing, man. Well, let's show this video. I'll quit telling jokes and uh, then we'll get into the word. Sound good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, CityServe, it's absolutely incredible ministry because they're focusing on the vulnerable and the vulnerable includes, you know, special needs, mental health, um, also at-risk youth and the unborn. And you're gonna hear a little bit of my story. I, I kind of tie into maybe all of those. I don't know about at-risk youth unless you ask my mom. I was born uh, two and a half months premature, only three pounds. Doctors came in, they told my, my parents that if I ever lived, I would never walk, never be productive. I was single till I was about almost 32. And I remember dating this girl. One day we went to the river and getting to the river, I had to like walk along some rocks and lean on her arm to get to the river. It wasn't really dramatic, but it was, we got down to the river and it was really quiet. And I said, hey, what's wrong? And she said, you know, Steve, I, I can't be married to a disabled guy whole life I can't I can't do it you know and, and I remember just feeling like I wanted to jump in the river and just start swimming you know I think that was really where it, you're like man you know I'm not sure anybody will ever love me for who I am so when I met Julie I remember before we got engaged I had to ask her you know how do you know that you can marry and live with somebody with a disability your whole life and she said something that really um, it really set me free. She said, you know, I actually love you more because of your cerebral palsy, because of who it's made you to be. People ask me, when did you start to walk without the aid of anything? And uh, um, we went on vacation. I had a couple crutches and I went out to Pismo Beach and one big wave came and just knocked me over and my crutches went out to sea and they sunk. And my mom said, well, that must be a, you know, a sign that you're just supposed to walk without them. And I was really upset at the time. I thought, oh man, that's so cruel. You know, I need those crutches. And uh, I never walked with them, you know, after that. You know what, if I would have stayed in a wheelchair, if I would have been a body cast in the corner of a room, Jesus died for me, you know? And it's that same power that's at work within me. It's in work in that, in that person. And they deserve to be loved and included and cared for in the kingdom. See, I've been so blessed because I have a family that love me. They, they're committed to me. They love God. Um, I have a wife. I have kids that love me. Uh, I am so, I'm, you know, I'm so blessed. I'm so blessed. But there's so many out there and so many others that they don't have community. They don't have family. They don't have anybody that says, I'll love you and I'll commit my life to you even though you have cerebral palsy. All they know is rejection, loneliness, pain, heartache. And those people deserve the love of Jesus just as much as I do. And that's why I'm not just saying this because it's city serve, but I really think city serve, the compassion through the local church, reaching the broken of, of society from the neighborhood to the nations, you know, that this is a message, that this is the message of the gospel. Go out to the highways and the byways and compel them to come in. We need to go to them. You know, it's not enough to just wait for them to will themselves to us. We have to find them. You know, um, every time I go to show that video, I always talk to Julie and I say, you know, I, I don't know if I want to, I don't know if I want to show that video this week. I mean, it's hard to be vulnerable, isn't it? To roll out your, kind of your low lights, your most sensitive moments and, 
And then I always hear the voice of the Holy Spirit say, you know, people need to hear that their darkest night can become their greatest blessing. That's the kind of God we serve. So we're so honored now to serve and be a voice for the voiceless. I want to encourage you today, if you're going through a really tough time, could it be the very thing, the darkest night, is actually the thing he wants to use to bring him the greatest glory and the biggest blessing in your life? Can I pray? All right. If you turn in your Bibles to 2 Samuel 9, 3 through 13, that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your faithfulness, your goodness. You're so good, God. You're so good. Amen. A couple weeks ago, I was in Corvallis and uh, got a text from my sister on a family group chat. And it said, the mask mandate has been lifted. You remember when you got that text? And there was momentary celebration in our van as the Kids tore off their mask, and we proudly marched into a restaurant, and you could see our faces. And then again, the Holy Spirit spoke to me, as he has so many times this past year. He said, what now? What now? You know, it's funny. We, we worked so hard for a year to get back into the church, and we should. And religious liberty and all those things are important. And now we're trying to get people outside the church to serve the city. What now? Today I want to talk about what now. I want to talk about missions, but a little bit different picture than you typically get of missions, perhaps. I want to talk to you about one of the great missionary stories in the Bible that most people have never heard of. The story of Mephibosheth. To set the stage a little bit, Mephibosheth in this story was the grandson of King Saul, the son of Jonathan. On the day that Saul and Jonathan were killed in battle, Mephibosheth was only five years old, and the nurse who was carrying him, running away from the battle, dropped him, and he fell to the ground, and he became lame in both feet. Can I just say this, that Sometimes we try to answer why things happen. I often will think about, when did I actually get cerebral palsy? Did a nurse forget to pull that string? You know, I always say my life was hanging on by a thread. Literally was. You know, where, where did it happen? And I've come to the conclusion that sometimes life just happens. See, we don't like to hear things we can't control, but life sometimes just happens. It's not your fault. It's not God's fault. It's not the way he set it up or he controls every little minute thing that happens or else my team, the Los Angeles Rams, would have won the Super Bowl every time I prayed the last 15 years. <laughs> Instead, it's some guy named Tom Brady, devil worshiper. No, he's not. A no, he's not. A <laughs> Can't believe I said that on live stream. Yeah. So here's Mephibosheth. And many years later, King David is in his palace. And he goes looking for Mephibosheth. 2 Samuel 9, starting at verse 3. 
the king asked, Is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? Ziba answered the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He's lame in both feet. Where is he? The king asked. Ziba answered, He's at the house of Machar, son of Amiel, in Lodabar. So King David had him brought from Lodabar, from the house of Machar, son of Amiel. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. David said, Mephibosheth, at your service, he replied. Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, what is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Ziba, Saul's steward, and said to him, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and bring in the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. And then I think this Bible is funny, just the things they put in parentheses. It says, now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. So this is when, you know, your friend goes, hey, can I bring a few friends to dinner? And he rides with a busload of people. And then Ziba said to the king, your servant will do whatever my lord, the king commands his servants to do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah, and all the members of Ziba's household were servants of Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table. He was lame in both feet. I believe we live in a time where we have to get missional, where no longer will people just come to the church because we have a great service. We have to go to them. And I'm interested in missions because I am interested in the fact that everyone can be involved. So when we talk about missions today, we're talking about it in context of missions being inviting someone to the king's table. See, one of the easiest things you can do in life is invite someone to dinner. My first point this morning. Inviting others to the king's table, remember that's missions, is a passionate passionate, intentional pursuit of others because God has been good to us. How many people today would say that God has been so good to you? Why would King David, who all of a sudden, he has everything, he's sitting in the palace, he says in verse three, is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? I think David was so overwhelmed with the goodness of God. When he reflected on his life, he couldn't help but want to share it with others. He remembered the crazy rise to fame when Goliath fell at his feet. And he knew he had nothing to do with it. He was just a shepherd boy. What about all those years of God's faithfulness when he was running for his life from King Saul? Or how about the forgiveness of God? when he fell into adultery with Bathsheba. David, he couldn't help himself. He had to share the goodness of God with others. See, that's missions. I remember being 12 years old in a wheelchair 
An evangelist said, if God were to call you anywhere in the world, would you go? Took just a couple seconds, and my heart was pounding with a yes. See, I couldn't walk from here to the front row of chairs, but I knew I had to go. That's missions. Missions is a passionate, intentional pursuit of others because God has been so good to us. I gotta be honest today. How's your heart for missions? How's your heart for God's mission? When you see the serve the city sign, what, what happens in your mind? Perhaps you're feeling unworthy, distracted, disappointed, or even apathetic. If you want to get a heart for missions, get in the presence of God. So the closer you get to God, the more you'll naturally get a passion for his mission. I think it's impossible to be close to God and not care about his mission. It's impossible to be close to God and not care about the beautiful community of Newburgh. Secondly, inviting others to the king's table, missions, is a radical, radical invitation of grace. Verse three and four says, Ziba answered the king, is there still a son of Jonathan? He is lame in both feet, where is he? He's at the house of Makar, son of Amiel and Lodabar. I did what pastors typically do, and I looked up the name. I just had this impression. I should look up what Lodabar means. And you won't believe what I found. Lodabar, the town, or whatever it was, the village was, means place of shame. The name Lodabar means place of shame. You ever lived there? The middle of nowhere also means middle of nowhere. I've, I've lived in the middle of nowhere. I accepted Christ in a basement of the Assembly of God Church in Needles, California. If you've ever been to Needles, that was Lodabar. <laughs> and it was also hot as Lodabar. So not, I'm, Pastor Dave, you're bringing out the, man, these jokes are right on the edge. It's like the spirit of Daryl Hanley is still around here somewhere, right? <laughs> Hi, Daryl. So not only is Mephibosheth lame in both feet, but he's in a culture that many had absolutely no future. And see, the ministry we're doing now, nothing's changed. I talked to missionaries in Guatemala. I said, well, was it, what if Steve Kramer had been born in Guatemala? Exact, exact same com uh, condition. They said they would have put you in a room, probably no windows, and you would have just stayed there your whole life. Wait, I couldn't get schooling? They just slide food under the door? What, like, what? Our prisoners in America live better than disabled people around the world. And that's a shame. That's a shame. On top of that, Mephibosheth is scared because it was a custom for any new king to completely wipe out all the remaining family members of the previous kingdom. So there wouldn't be a threat of rebellion. But here's David going against the grain of the culture to reach him. That's the heart of Jesus, to love the unlovable. It's going to be a labor of love. Yes, it's inconvenient. It's uncomfortable. It's going to cost us something. It's going to rearrange our priorities. But it is always worth it. It is always worth it. last week, um, we helped plan a church in Eugene. It was kind of a, 
unexpected side project of being down on the campus down there. And so we were meeting with these pastors and I get in the van and we had nice pizza and my son, I want to embarrass him, but you know, he was crying, he was sobbing. And he said, I'm going to miss Pastor Trevor. When will be the next time we see him? And I was really being tough. Julie put her sunglasses on. That's how she's tough. And then my daughter started crying, man, and I, I started to cry too. And I thought, is it worth it? You know, our family lives all within 20 minutes of on I-5 here in Oregon, man. It's so convenient. My parents celebrated their 50th anniversary yesterday. And every time as missionaries, you drive out of the driveway, you think, is this the last time we'll see him? Just being honest. Can I be real this morning? Is that okay? And I thought, is it worth it? I could just get a job. Maybe Pastor Dave will let me clean the church. <laughs> and then Joey's like, uh, he didn't want you cleaning the church. Not you. You don't clean our house. <laughs> she didn't really say that, but that's in my, this is a conversation I'm having in mind. <laughs> See, when we invite people to the king's table, we're showing them another kingdom, a kingdom that values everyone. And the church is the one place that should value everyone. How can we have a mental health crisis in America and the church has zero answer? How can that happen? We have the tools. We have the models. We have success stories, and nobody's doing it. I'm getting fired up, man. That fog machine, does that have like some, uh, I don't know, man, that's, that's good stuff. This is Oregon stuff up here, I might be careful. I did live in Eugene, so I'm always a little bit suspicious when smoke comes out of somewhere. I remember I was in Great Clips. Right, what a segue is that, huh? Where's the, the Doritos or whatever? I was in Great Clips and uh, I was getting my hair cut. And this is right before the pandemic. And, and Great Clips, they always get frustrated with me because they, they say, did you register online? You know what I'm talking about? And I never do because I'm, I, I don't know if this is a man problem, but I get my hair cut spontaneously and I got to get it cut then. I've tried to get my daughter who's eight to cut it just because I had the urge to cut my hair. Can you cut my hair? And I didn't register. And usually there's a line out the door and I sit there a long time thumbing through the magazines. And this particular time though, I go in and there's nobody there except two hairstylists. And I thought, oh man, this is scary. They have sharp tools, you know? So I, I didn't want to hurt their feelings. I'm kind of an empathetic kind of guy. So I, I, who do I pick? You know, I go, eeny, meeny, miny, I do that thing. I sit down in one chair and I happen to sit down in the chair of a single mom. And she begins to tell me a story of how she has two adopted daughters and one has cerebral palsy and the other's normal. And I thought, oh man, the Holy Spirit has set me up. <laughs> so I began to talk to God, to the Holy Spirit, like I often do. And uh, what would you have me say to this woman? And I just got God's heart for her. She's working so hard. She's exhausted. But she's so proud of both her daughters. She loves them equally. And I looked in the mirror and I said, you know what? You're a hero. 
You're a champion. God sees you as a hero. She began to cry. The hairstylist next to her began to cry. The person that had come in after me, sitting next to me and getting the haircut, began to cry. We were having revival and great clips. I'm like, I remember seeing this one in the book of Acts, but we'll take it, you know? That's missions. It's a radical invitation of grace, but it isn't difficult. The thing I love about City Serve, my way, we're working on getting, I have a couple of big meetings with churches in there. We're getting City Serve here, and basically, some of the most powerful gospel stories have been giving food box to a car that pulls up. We pray with them, they break down in tears. Their whole life story opens up. They're now part of our church. And this happens, it's happening by the hundreds every week. And I wish I had the time to give you all the statistics and just why you with all this stuff. But, but I'm telling you, we have made missions all about going way over there to a, a place you can't pronounce. And we're off the hook if we just said, now believe me. And can I just say thank you? Because this church and I, I, I'm going to say this, okay? But you guys give the most money every month to us, more than anybody else that supports us. You give us the big bucks. Is that they're not very spiritual to say it like that? <laughs> let me, let me. Uh, you give graciously from your. <laughs> Some days it feels like the big bucks. You know what I mean? Especially after a pandemic, like we get to eat. This is good. So thank you, and don't ever underestimate the power of sending. Don't ever. But at the same time, that doesn't let us off the hook for going to our neighbor. I always have a list of like five people that I'm, that I'm, I say working on, it kind of sounds funny, but that I'm praying through, that I'm like, how can I bless them? Like, can we take them cookies, give them a ride somewhere? You know, oh, they're, they're having marriage difficulties. Like, how you doing? Do you have a list like that of Mephibosheths? If you don't, um, they're all over. And the more God opens your eyes to the need, the more you'll see. Where it becomes overwhelming a lot of days when I'm getting Facebook messages and I'm getting people reaching out and they have nobody else. A couple of weeks ago, I met a guy in, who was autistic in a church, real friendly guy. I knew he was autistic right away. I've been texting him. He lives in Oregon. I live in California. I don't know how many friends he has. He needs friends. Who needs friends in your life? Probably not very far away. Lastly, inviting others to the king's table, missions, is a bold witness to the watching world. I'm going to skip on to verse 13. This is the cue for the keyboardist. Very subtle cue. I asked him if he could play something by me, like, you know, when T.D. Jake's preaches where good points are really emphasized and it's silent so there might not be any good points but uh hey there you are I knew you around that also helps me know it's time to wrap up because I'm your typical pastor and I could go on and on and on and verse 13 and Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table he was lame in both feet. You know what I love so much about this passage my favorite thing about this passage is what was once the headline over Mephibosheth's life that he was a cripple, he was lame in both feet, is now just a footnote. Don't you love that about Jesus? 
he takes the headline of shame over our life and he says, no, that, that's just a footnote. And that's an important footnote. It's not taken out because, you know what? Mephibosheth was just as valuable with lame feet. But God's saying, I'm now going to use it. And I always think, Pastor Dave, about sitting at this table and somebody looks down and sees Mephibosheth with crippled legs and, and goes, uh, how, how did you get how did you get here at the table? Mephibosheth just begins to cry like the lady in Great Kips and, and goes, I don't, I'm not really sure. It, it, was, it was an invitation, a radical invitation of grace by some, some guy who just came out of nowhere. And I was in the middle of nowhere and they invited me to the table. So I'm so glad that it's no longer when I was born, Steve Kramer was cerebral palsy. But it's now Steve Kramer, child of God, follower of Jesus, voice for the voiceless. One of the most incredible things that happens when you decide to spend your life on the broken is that it confounds the world and it gets their attention. I remember our very first outreach with CityServe we moved to Bakersfield August 13th. Don't ever do that. It was uh, 113 degrees. And I, in my zeal and passion and wanting to be a good steward of mission support, all those things, I thought, we need to get going. I know we haven't unpacked, but let's do outreach. And we're just excited about all God was doing. So I said, can we join you guys? And the lady said, yeah, we're doing an outreach at this place called Oildale. Now, I don't know if anybody in here has ever heard of Oildale, but it is basically hundreds of oil rigs and then a few people mixed in, okay? I, mean, I kid you not. And it was so hot. And we drive down to this neighborhood, very poor neighborhood. In fact, I knew it was poor and possibly dangerous because I hear the door locks on the minivan go click. You're, does anybody else's wife do that when you get into sketchy terror? <laughs> click. And, and there was a good football game on that night. I had all the reasons not to come down here to this place. And I thought, they don't, I, they're not even expecting me to be here. And I'm bringing my family. Is this even smart? And all I know is a lady who lives in this mobile home park is going to make a banquet for poor people and people in the neighborhood. And we're going to have some worship. And we're just going to invite Jesus to come have dinner with us. And I go into a mobile home park and... and I had some biases, some misconceptions, some preconceived notions. And I go in and I meet this wonderful lady. And she tells me that she was a sheriff's deputy for 27 years. And she had two sons and one son. You could see his picture all around the house because he was in the military. And I couldn't help but ask her. I said, you've been a sheriff's deputy. You don't have to live here. Why have you done it? And basically, her answer was, how else will they know who Jesus is? How else will they know who Jesus is? Inviting others to the king's table is a bold witness to the watching world. I was talking to a group of pastors recently, and I'm just going to talk to you like you're all pastors. I see all as ministers. You know, the pastor's job, you've probably heard of this, is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. 
That's how you can gauge what kind of job. If you're getting out there, he's doing his job. That's it. Hope I can say that okay. But you know, the, the problem is, is, I think I said this to a bunch of Christians, we, we keep fishing just in the same pond. There's broken people that are begging to come to Family Life Church. I'll tell you this, the average church that starts a special needs ministry grows 30% overnight, average church 30%. All of a sudden you're running another service, if that happens. Because there's nowhere for them to go to church. There's nowhere. I don't even have to tell you the statistics of Newburgh for mental health, and there's nowhere for those people to go to church. And what about the other two categories I didn't even really touch on, at-risk youth or pregnant mothers and the unborn or those that have had abortions or those that are thinking about it? Where are they going to church? I've been guilty of that, fishing in the same pond, wanting to get the hipsters with the cool beards and the tattoos and the gospel's for everyone. And there may even be an argument that it's for the people that are the most broken. Because you know what? Steve Kramer was the most broken. Who's your Mephibosheth? Who's your Mephibosheth? My prayer for Family Life Church is that this church is a church of Mephibosheths. The ones that fit in nowhere else, but they're loved here. That's the way of Jesus. I'm going to pray here and then ask Pastor Dave to come up. But can I just say thank you again? Um, Pastor Dave, thank you. You know, I know there have been transitions. I know that, you know, friends we had on staff or they move other places. Churches go through changes, but one thing that's such a high value for me and I'll never forget is loyalty. Just loyalty. I remember one time preaching here right in this spot. Maybe I moved the table back and I got really sick. Do you remember that? Only time I've ever done this. I preached hundreds of times. In the middle of worship, I was supposed to preach like I think three more times. And I said to Pastor Dave, I can't speak. I'm not feeling good. And his eyes popped out like they popped out of his head. Like I'm glad they went back in. He was like, what? <laughs> Somehow I got through it. But I went home. I slept for three. I, mean, I was sick as a dog. You guys have been so loyal. And you've cared about the Kramers. And, we, and I see people back there have told me, we pray for you every day. Thank you. Jesus, there's something new you want to do, Lord. COVID was a gift. Can we just say it? That yeah, a lot of terrible things, just like my cerebral palsy come with that. But there's also some things that are so precious that I would never trade in a Julie Kramer and while I learned through unconditional love and support of my wife, just so I wouldn't have cerebral palsy, Lord, let us learn from COVID that we've all been vulnerable, that we've all felt stuck at home, and that we all deserve a place we can call home. I look forward to meeting Mephibosheth someday, Lord. Give us many more Mephibosheths in your name. Amen. Do you thank uh, Steve for being here today?
he's just going to stay right here for yeah. a minute. So I'm going to talk. I'm a captive audience. That's it. I'm going to talk about you a little bit. But, uh, you know, every time you come here, and I mean this, uh, uh, it's a God moment. It really is. It's no accident that you're here today. And I know there are people in the room today that God placed in here for that message. Thank you for what you do. And we're so proud to support you every month. And we do that with the generosity of the people in this church. Maybe you might not give regularly to missions. Uh, maybe you're thinking about it. This is the result of what missions giving does. Last week, we had a missionary uh, from Africa. That's kind of the classic. Let's send somebody to Africa. But thank God he sent somebody to Bakersfield. <laughs> thank God he sent somebody to the vulnerable. That's, uh, so we're so proud to support you. And I think there's going to be people here that God's speaking to your heart. You need to start giving monthly to missions. Maybe you're online right now and you say, Matt, anytime you give through Family Life Church, you're given to ministries just like this. And uh, I think Steve needs a raise. I love it that we're, the, we're given the most, but that just made me want, man, we, we need to give some more. So uh, let's give Steve a raise, man. Give more. Let's keep supporting them. But thank you for what you do. And uh, we so appreciate that. And I know he's got a table in the lobby. Um, or if you're watching online, you want to know more, we can give you uh, talk to the, the host right now. We can get you a link to their ministry page. And, and uh, we're so, so glad uh, that you were with us today and your family. Would you please stand with me today? And uh, we have a prayer wall right over here. And uh, there'll be people at those tables that will love to pray with you today. And uh, don't leave today if we can pray with you about anything, connect with you. If God's spoken to your heart about, about uh, being more involved in missions, you can start that anytime. I know for me, I got to have it automatically taken out of my account because I don't want to forget it. And maybe that might be what you want to do. You know, every week I get a chance to speak a blessing over you. It's a classic blessing. A lot of pastors do it. But, you know, you don't know what's going to happen this next week. You don't know what's happening this week. So my opportunity to say, bless you as this week comes. This past week, uh, we had one of our incredible members of this church, John Ringer, went home to be with Jesus, and we're praying for his family. You know, when we speak a blessing, we don't know what's going to happen during that week. On the other hand, we've got uh, Jean Storm is celebrating her 95th birthday today. I mean, you talk about incredible. And when I grow up, I want to be Jean Storm. I mean, uh, she's amazing. But so when I speak blessing over to you, would you receive it? Because you know what? You don't know what's going to happen when you walk out these doors, but God's blessing goes with you. So I pray that God would bless you and keep you. I pray that God would turn his face towards you, shine his countenance on your life and give you peace in Jesus' name. God bless you as you go. Think about the vulnerable in this world. Jesus' name. God bless Hey guys, this is Pastor Dave. I just want to say thank you for joining us today for this podcast. You know, at Family Life Church, our vision is to create a safe, authentic environment where people connect with Jesus. And we don't believe it's an accident that you joined us today. You know, if this message meant something to you, we would love to hear from you. You can connect with us on our website at myflc.org, or you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Family Life Church Newburgh. And I invite you to subscribe to this podcast and you can listen regularly. And I just want to say thank you and God bless your week.